the idea here, and it says, you'll, you'll notice in each of the three passages, if you don't have that, it, the three passages are also mentioned on, on this. In each of the three passages, it speaks of a mystery. And so what we want to do is, is begin to unpack that idea of a mystery. Now, we, what I want us to get is this. When we take up the theme of mystery, it's not even accidental that he has written this term, this word mystery, three times to the church at Colossae. This is a church that Paul had never been to himself, yet. Epaphras is the, is the one who had learned the gospel from him and then had gone there and planted this church. Further, this, this letter, is, is, you see from the very last chapter, is not only to them, but it is to them and then also to go on to Laodicea to be read there. So a circular letter, like many, particularly referring to some of the challenges. And it is interesting, I mean, for those who, who consider history inter interesting, Colossae was a prominent city on a major trading road. That trading road was later adjusted and, and it bypassed Colossae and to Laodicea. So Laodicea ended up being a sister uh, city with Colossae, but it was the one now growing while Colossae was getting smaller. It was the place more of, uh, of old money and culture and success, whereas Laodicea was now that of, of new money. And, and, and there's a different dynamic and different cultural elements that, that are that with a more established city with its history and its culture and people and that which is now younger and freshly growing. But... The truth is the same in all places. And the problems are often the same in all places. And, and what was happening here in Colossae, and one of the underlying things that we wouldn't necessarily get, the, the prevailing culture and religious community in Colossae struggled with certain things. Some of you have probably heard of Gnosticism. Right? That's with a G on the front, though you didn't hear it. Or Gnosis. Gnosis, that idea of knowledge. Gnosticism is, is, a, is a mystical form of understanding. It was often rooted, their, their, their theology was rooted in Greek ideals, where, where God and matter have to be completely separated. So there would be sub-gods or secondary gods or demiurges in between who, who could go to the high god and who could go down to matter and, and all kinds of other ideas. But the knowability of God what was not there. They did not have any clear sources. And so they were, they were prone towards mysticism, legalism, asceticism, and in this particular church, Gnosticism hadn't yet emerged yet. It was, it, it's understood historically that they struggled under the challenge and influence of a number of mystery cults. Mystery cults. Well, here's the mystery. So a man comes along and says, I have spoken with or received message from the divine. And this is how he says we should live. No more meat, you know, no more leather belts or, or however it would go on. And, and he would say that and then a group would gather around and commit to those things. And then another guy saying, well, matter and material is nothing. That way I've actually received communication that we should involve ourselves maximally in all of the indulgences of the flesh. And he draws a huge crowd after him. 
as you can imagine, because he's appealing to the desires. Uh, but, but in the end, if you were to go to any of these men and try to get, well, where does this come from? What's the basis for your position? How can we know that it is right, that it is solid, that it is to be believed, that it is true? And all they can do is claim direct mystical revelation. If you were me, you'd understand. Which we actually get that kind of comments from people today as well. If you were just smarter, you'd understand. Well, uh, so into this environment, he writes in a place where men have come proclaiming mysteries. Things that ordinary men could not find out. And he comes in to proclaim a mystery. Now, the idea of mystery is a challenging one because if we think about it in our day and age, uh, so many things are spoken of as mystery. If we don't have an answer, we don't know where it's going, or, or we, we can't understand it, we simply say, it's a, it's a mystery. Which means I, nobody, nobody knows you know, how it happens. Nobody knows how. It, it's a mystery. Or maybe there are mystery movies and mystery novels. And what's the design of such things? The design of a mystery novel or a mystery movie is that you shouldn't be able to guess it. You, you know, a, a good one at the very end has that surprising plot twist. Oh, didn't see that coming. Right? If in the first chapter you've already guessed who the villain is. It's kind of uh, not much of a, of a mystery. Well, the idea of a mystery, as we take it up here in the scriptures, I want us to know this. Again, it does carry this solid sense. It's not something that we would have ever known had it not been revealed to us. Okay? This... That's the nature of it. But what he's going to begin to do here is unfold how that mystery is revealed to us. That mystery made known. And so I want to take this up and see it piece by piece. And the first thing I want us to notice, reading in verse 26 here, it says this. The mystery, chapter 1, hidden for ages and generations, but now... Revealed to his saints. To them he chose to make known. Alright. So the first thing I want us to see about the mystery. Even that's spoken of here in Colossians. It is hidden. And it is revealed. Okay. Now let, to, to get a clearer sense of this idea. Hidden and revealed. I want to take you to a passage in Luke chapter 18. And Luke chapter 18 is, is, is to me one of the most powerful passages. That shows the power of God's purposes. When he is pleased to hide things. Okay. Remember when the disciples would, would ask in the book of Mark and Matthew Jesus. Why are you speaking in parables to these people? Hinting at they don't understand them. Of course, if we've read through Matthew 13, we realize, well, it wasn't only them who didn't understand. Jesus had to explain the parables to the apostles too. But he, he, Jesus explained, why do, you, why do I speak in parables? 
because these things are not given to those outside the kingdom but it is revealed to you. But look what it says in Luke 18. This is one of those examples where when we try to understand how something is hidden. Because one of the things I want to remember, we, we say this. We preach the gospel, don't we? We tell the gospel to our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers. We tell the gospel. And God willing, we think we've said it very clearly. We think we've said it so clearly, surely they're going to get it. Surely they're going to own it because, I mean, these truths absolutely gripped and transformed my life. So how could they not be thrilled beyond belief to hear these things and now know them? But then you share the gospel with them and what's their response too frequently? nothing no love no excitement no interesting indeed no ding no light comes on it's, don't, don't you understand how important this is there there is one god father son and spirit don't you understand god has provided salvation and the forgiveness of sins through his son do you, do you know that you can be set free from all of the enslavement and all of the weakness and all of the misery and all of the hopelessness that life truly is. And no grace and peace and hope and righteousness in Christ. Oh, don't you want that? And what do they often say? Well, I don't. I mean, happiness and peace, I'm in for that, but I don't know if it's necessarily in Christ. Well, look what it says in, in Luke. And this helps us to understand how strongly the concept of hidden and revealed is. This to me was one of those passages that seems just like a slap in the face. Because listen. Beginning verse 31, Luke 18. And taking the twelve. Okay, So by this point, he's taking the twelve. And he says, see, I'm going up to Jerusalem. So I want to just make this clear. This is to the twelve. This is after these men have already been traveling with him and learning from him for three years. Right? They have, they have seen him raise the dead. They have seen him heal the blind. They have seen him heal lepers. They have seen him calm storms. I mean, they have, they have seen this glory of Christ manifest over and over again. Now he calls them aside and he says these things to them. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. All right, do you follow so far? What do you think Jesus is trying to tell them? We're going to Jerusalem. Doesn't seem so difficult so far, right? Everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. What do you think that means? It's all going to be accomplished. 32 verse, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. Is it getting confusing yet? Will be mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon. Any words hard to understand as yet? It seems pretty clear, right? And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. Has he yet said anything confusing? But what does it say? Verse 34. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them 
they did not grasp what was said. And again, I read that over and over again, and for the life of me, I'm thinking, how could they not grasp what is said? I mean, do they not speak English? And they didn't. They didn't speak English. English did not exist yet until the middle of the 5th century. Even King James English didn't exist yet. All right? So, so but th do they not understand basic, clear language? I mean, none of these are big words. None of these are complex thoughts. He's just, it, 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 it's really, he's sort of bullet pointed the purpose of the incarnation. Coming to the culminating work on the cross, right? It's a boom, 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 boom. I would go so far as to say most of our little ones who are sitting here, even the kids, you could talk them through these things and say, do you understand what Jesus said? Uh, yeah, they're going to Jerusalem. He's going to hand them over. They're going to mistreat him. He's going to be killed and rise again. So are our little ones more intellectually capable than were the apostles? Thank you for saying no. The, 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 if you read the passage, the problem was not with their intellect in any way. Again, part of this is so that we would understand something that would be hard for us to grasp otherwise. It was hidden from them. The full scope and the import, the significance and the reality of what Jesus was saying. That to us makes so much sense. And I want us to be just a little cautious. It's easy for us on this side of the cross. We look back, these things having all taken place. We, many of us gathered here, look back already with the faith that is granted to us, believing these things. See, they're before. And see, remember, they're trying to overcome in their mind clear and solid expectations. They believe that he is the Messiah. And as the Messiah, their expectation is, he's the king of the Jews. As the king of the Jews, their confidence is, he is going to reign and rule now. Remember, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they and even their mama goes to Jesus and requests that one might sit at his right and one might sit at his left. In his kingdom. That in their mind. They're thinking. That their approach to Jerusalem. Is that he is going to be made king. More than that. Shortly after this. As he comes on his triumphal entry. What's the response of the people like? Hosea. Son of David. Blessed is he who comes. I mean they are all even Proclaiming him to be the one who's coming to sit on the throne of David. The, the disciples themselves enter in with full confidence. This is the time. Jesus is getting ready to take over. Roman oppression done. Now we get to oppress everybody. Hopefully not. But th that idea is we will be the head and not the tail. We will be the authority. We will be in charge. Many times you've missed it, but those who have been doing their McShane's have recently again read in the upper room. We're aware of all those things in the upper room and how one is going to betray me, dips his bread with me. But the scriptures also reveal that while they're in the upper room, 
there was a sweet, sweet argument among them. Who of us is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who of us is going to be the greatest? They're fighting over who's going to be the big boy when Jesus takes over, which is any day now. That's their thoughts. But what was the reality? He was going to be handed over, mistreated, not enthroned, killed, and then he would rise from the dead. And the challenge is this. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. That's not what we expect. So, nah. And that happens also with regard to the gospel, with regard to the person of who God is. God, all the descriptions of the true God in all of his sovereignty, in all of his glory, in all of his being, in all of his righteousness, including in all of his wrath. Well, that's not, uh, that's not what we want. No. We want, a, we want a God who is only forgiving. Yes. No judgment. Yes. Uh, blesses us with financial wealth at every turn. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about the kind of God we want. Let, 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 let's form our own little groups based on the God we want. You know, that guy says God gives away money and health. Let's all join with him over there. You know, and that guy says, and, and, and so people, but then I ask you, how much does that end up being all that different than the mystery cults? People listening to the claims of men and then joining up with that group because I like it what that man is saying. Is that how it ought to work? It ought not work that way. And so what we're going to have unpacked here is that it is a mystery that is hidden, but it is revealed. And it's not just revealed to one man. It's revealed to the saints. To them he chose to make known. And, God, and Christ did it in an extraordinary way. He also established for himself 12 apostles. Who would be his clear spokesmen. All of them would continue to, to declare. We are delivering to you what was delivered unto us. This doesn't originate with us. This doesn't originate in our age. And they'll go even so further to say, this isn't a new thing. This is the very same God who created it all. This is the very same God who was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What we are telling you is not a new God. Not a new design, a new direction. What we're telling you about is the once and always true God. Who has made himself known in Christ Jesus. Goes on and uh, we'll look at a few more things here. They did not understand it had said in verse 44. For this saying was hidden from them. They did not grasp what is said. In John chapter 20 verse, 20, verse 9 it says this. As Jesus was speaking to them again. And giving them basic instruction. It says this in John 20, 29. For as yet, they did not understand the scriptures. That he must rise from the dead. 
So again, it was already, it, it was the scriptures they didn't understand. So there's two things going on now. They didn't understand the scriptures that he must die and rise again. And they didn't understand Jesus telling them plainly. How could they not understand both the scriptures and the plain words of Christ? And we have to recognize this. Because no one can. <laughs> because it was hidden from them. And it remains hidden from all until God in his mercy reveals it to them. And he certainly does with these 12 men. If you were to jump forward a little bit in time to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 verse 45. It says this. This is Jesus after he has risen from the dead. He's meeting with the 12. And it says these beautiful words in Luke 24 45. Then he opened their mind their minds to understand the scriptures. Before. Closed. Now. Opened. Before. Hidden. Now. Revealed. Now it's a mystery. In the sense. That men would have never figured it out on their own. And it's a mystery to the degree that even when it's explained. To the Jews. What is it? It's an offense. To the Gentiles, what is it? Foolishness. But to those who are called, it is the power of God into salvation. To those to whom it is revealed, it is an extraordinary thing. And so what we've got to do is understand that this mystery is revealed. And what I want you to note there, he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. They did not understand the scriptures that he would die. It's not that the, the mystery was not something that was coming out of the blue from nowhere. It had been declared. Prophesied. Promised. Pictured throughout the Old Testament. That's why Jesus would say. It would say on the road to Emmaus. He showed them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. When Philip met that man. On uh, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. Beginning with this scripture. He opened up and spoke to him concerning Christ. And so you, you have this. When we're talking about a mystery revealed. It's not that. Hey. No one ever heard of this before. It came to me right now. No. God gave it to these. Christ gave it to these 12 men. Who would declare that gospel. The foundation of the church would be built on Christ. No other one could lay another foundation. The foundation of the church upon the apostles. Setting it forth. But what they are revealing. By the authority of the son of God. Didn't just begin. You, you'll read it in encyclopedias. And it used to make me want to pull my hair out. And maybe I did. It, it, it would say Christianity is a religion. That began. And it would say 30, 33 A.D. Well, actually being called Christianity, that was much later. That was closer to 60 AD, to the best of our knowledge, and, you know, give or take. But the worship of the God, who is the God that Christ was the son of, did that begin then? No, uh, Christ is the very one we're told that everything in Colossians, everything was created through him and for him. It didn't begin at the incarnation. 
the crucifixion and resurrection. It's, it's, it's gotten clearer and clearer as to the gospel and the glory and the purposes of God in Christ and in creation. But is it only those after the cross who will be saved? We ask ourselves this question. On what basis will Abraham have his sins forgiven? By faith? Because of the grace of God. But it's the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sins. So the forgiveness of sin for Abraham is what? Christ. Because Christ is the eternal one. The God of the living and not the dead. Let's see a few more things. And, and, and how important it is. Um, it was in Acts chapter 8. Philip ran forward to that... Um, Verse 30 to the Ethiopian eunuch reading out of prophet Isaiah. And he asks him this question. Do you understand what you are reading? And he simply and humbly replies. How can I? Unless someone guide me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And it says, and Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture told him the good news of Christ. How can I unless someone explain it to me? Let someone make it known to me. Listen, it says this in Colossians 2 verse 8 and, uh, through 10. As he speaks to these, these people in Colossae who are, who are caught up in all kinds of things. Like I've said, if you read through it, the struggles they're facing, they, they face um, intellectualism. They face legalism and traditionalism. Uh, they face mysticism. All kinds of issues going on there. And he says to them this. Look Colossians 2.8. See that no one takes you captive. By philosophy. And empty deceit. According to. It says human, human tradition. But the word that's translated tradition here. Doesn't necessarily refer to merely tradition. It could be human instruction. Or human precept. So in other words. If it's origin. Is in man. It's ultimately empty. It doesn't get you there. If, if regarding eternal truth. Regarding God. Regarding salvation. Regarding the will of God. If what you hear. Has its beginning point. In men. No good. Don't follow it. Don't become captive to those things. Even Paul makes, takes pains in many places to say, my gospel did not come from me. It came from Christ. I was given it by God. It is of divine origins. And he says, and or according to the elemental spirits of this world. Uh, again, that word, some, some say... Uh, some translations will not say elemental spirits. Some will say ele elemental things. But the, the sense here is he's really playing off the two, the, the two things in, in that area and in that community and language used in Colossae. You who are prone to trust in the, in the thoughts and wisdoms that have their origin in man, don't do it. And you who are leaning on Thoughts and ideas that have their origin in some sort of supposed spirit communications. Don't lean on that either. 
they claim a, a, a wisdom that not all can attain to, that they uniquely have. They claim a knowledge that they have received some spirits that not all have. But we proclaim to you the mystery now revealed not to be missed. It goes, but listen, uh, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. That's the, that's the simple thing with regard to doctrine, with regard to truth. Where are we going to find our origin? Do we find it in men's keen insight and experience? No. Do we find it in some sort of mystical revelations and ecstasy? No. Where is it found? It is grounded in the revelation of God in Christ Jesus. Nowhere else. We don't go anywhere else for it. That's why I love what it tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It reminds us of these powerful and clear words. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we know him who is true. In other words, the salvation that God gives us is not merely an experience. It's not merely an emotional experience, a mountaintop experience. It indeed may involve those things as well. As we come under conviction of sin. As we come under the sense of hopelessness and emptiness. And as God is pleased in the gospel to reveal to us the, the glory of Christ. The full forgiveness. The redemption and peace and reconciliation that is in him. It's going to have a, a, a whole man effect for sure. But it also involves the mind. He has come and given us understanding. So that we know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. That is his son Jesus Christ. So again I want us to know this. What The understanding that he gives us. The understanding that he gave to the apostles. It wasn't that they would learn to read between the lines. Learn, learn to see things that others couldn't see there. No. What did he open their mind to do? Understand the scriptures. Not between the lines. Not, not extra deductions and extrapolations. But to understand what? The scripture. The word of God. They were not in need of much more than that. Again, drawing our attention to uh, uh, one more passage or two. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this. Therefore, as you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk in him. So how do we learn? From the scriptures. With the enablement of God himself in Christ. How do we live? In accordance with the scriptures. Which is not unconnected to Christ either. As you've received Christ, so walk in him. It's not just walk in morality. It's not just walk in decency. It's walk in Christ, in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith. What? Just as you were taught. So what's the confidence? You know how people are going to grow? You know how they're going to learn the mystery? Learn the truth? And learn how they ought to live? They're going to be taught. What? 
It's not through a mystical experience. No, he's going to scold them later about people talking about conversations with angels, dwelling on dreams, asceticism. Don't waste your time with that nonsense. Receive what is taught. Accept it. Grow in an understanding of it. Walk in it. Listen to what it says in, in um, I guess 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8 says this. We impart, this is we, the apostles. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. What? It's a mystery. Why does he say what we, the apostles, communicate is a secret and hidden wisdom of God? Because if God doesn't reveal it, it remains secret and hidden. It remains unknown. There's no other way that you get it. And again, when you read Romans 10, it makes it all so clear. How does God send forth this message? Does he send angels out with it? No. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And how will they hear? Unless what? Yeah, someone preaches. And how will they preach? Unless they're sent. And so the plan of God all along is that the mystery that is revealed will be a message delivered by men faithfully. Well, that doesn't seem as exciting as a vision or a dream. Many of you know the, uh, or are, might be aware of the story of the Buddha. Supposedly a, an Indian prince seeking enlightenment and he goes and sits underneath a banyan tree and just sits there waiting for enlightenment and he just sits there and mythical stories surround all that of how many days he sat there and maybe how many animals came and fed him nuts or whatever it may be. All these weird stories catch up around there where after sitting there under the tree, supposedly he figured it out. He received the message and he, and he gets up from there and next thing you know, you got a religion. And you don't know because in different regions, Buddha looks different. Sometimes he's relatively fit and sometimes he's enjoyed uh, too much food. You know. But the whole point is you don't get wisdom sitting under a tree. You don't get wisdom on a mountaintop. Prayer is important and we're dependent upon God to make things known for us. But it is not, we don't receive uh, knowledge through some sort of osmosis transmission, uh, simply through prayer. It is as we're faithfully taught the word. I'm going to have to roll a little quicker here. It says this, and remember this, it's a shocking notion. It says this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus says this, in the same hour, this is a time where some of the, the Pharisees themselves have come up to Jesus, and, and, and they have not understood, and they're, and they're, and they're butting heads as they often did. And Jesus says this in Luke 10, verse 21 and following. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus. And said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. So among the, the natural capacities of men, those who would seem to have elite intellectual understanding 
Can they themselves get to the right knowledge of God? No. You've hidden it from them. And it says, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Now, it's interesting. Such is your gracious will. The gracious will of God involves hiding it from some and revealing it to others. We would think of the gracious will of, as only involving revealing. Jesus is thanking God for both the hiddenness and the revealing. Clearly, he understands a little bit more than we do, right? But, but when, you, when you look at this, you have revealed to little children. Now, does that mean only little children? Is that to be taken literally as little children? Some of you would say, I, don't, I hope not, because God did not reveal himself to me through the gospel until I was an adult, so if he only reveals himself to little children, I'm in trouble. No, the, the simple idea here that, that, that is shown is what God does is he brings a person to say, I have not the answers. And I will never figure this out. Tell me. You know, it, it is more that, that notion of, of that, that young inquisitive kid who's going to ask a bunch of questions. Daddy, why does a pencil fall when I drop it? How does the moon stay up in the sky? What's the moon made of? Is the earth flat? That's a tough question nowadays because there's a resurgence of flat earth. You know? you know, and asking all of these, these kinds of questions. And the sweet reality is the child that asks the question of daddy. He could pretty much say anything. And the kid's going to say, oh, okay. So how does the moon stay up? Magnets. Okay. Magnets. That's how to, it's got a maglev thing working there. Okay. Understood. And, and what about the earth? Is it flat or is it round? It's a triangle, like a pyramid. Okay. That makes sense. What? That make, you could almost, and hopefully you don't, mislead a child completely, right? I, I thought in the mind, how weird would it be to, you, you get those picture books, blue, and it says blue, and yellow, it says yellow. What if you were to trick a kid, tape over the words, and teach them that blue was red, and yellow was green, and, and just mess them up? What would they do when they get to school? Teacher says, okay, who knows the color of this? All the kids, blue, red. No, it's blue. Red. No, it's blue. No, my daddy told me it's red. So what? It's red. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to cut you and you're going to bleed blue. Because they don't understand. Because it could all be that. That's the idea. What happens is revealed to little children by the grace of God. We come and say, yeah, putting aside my thoughts of who God is. Put aside my thoughts of what salvation is. Put aside all of my seeming supposed wisdom and insight. And say, Daddy, tell me. Tell me. And we accept it. And we know it. And that's the grace of God enables it. And, and he reveals it to us. And then suddenly it's like, oh, that makes sense. How come everybody doesn't get it? <laughs> Isn't that kind of how it happens? And so we have to understand, oh my goodness, the something wrong with the clocks today. I think it's daylight savings. 
clocks are out of control. So the mystery that we see, it's hidden and revealed. Now, now the, the next couple things will unfold a little bit more quickly. And, and, and for them, you will just take them in, chew on them, meditate upon them, share and discuss them, and glory in them. And, and the first thing is this. We see that the mystery is hidden and revealed. The second thing I want us to see about this mystery that's hidden and revealed, it's not just wisdom and knowledge. This mystery that re, that's revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, uh, this is, again, such a divided thing. Christ is the very God who created all things, who upholds everything by the words of his power, and he dwells in you. All of that just blasts the Greek notions. Wait, the great creator God can have nothing to do with us. How is this even possible? Yeah. Not only does he, not only does he have interaction with matter, but he sets his love directly upon us. He comes and communes with us and even dwells within us. What? Because that's what it says. It says this. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, now revealed to his saints, to them God cho chose to make known how great among, it says the Gentiles, it should better be translated nations. How great among the nations are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you. The riches of the glory of this mystery. Christ in you. And, and, and that's so glorious because it's not simply, and I want us to get this, it's not simply an entrance into heaven. That is provided. It's not also simply a peace with God. Not simply forgiveness of sin. I say simply, these things are bigger than simply, but it's not exclusively. It's also Christ in in you, the hope of glory. So it's not just uh, what is to come. But as we await the glory that is to come right now, what? Christ indwells us. He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk in him by his strength and power and presence. I want to move on to Colossians 2, 2 and 3. And see a little bit more as it unpacks it for us. It says this in that same out uh, in Colossians 2, 2 and 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Okay, so rem remember this when you do come across brothers and sisters who, who minimize with knowledge who minimize instruction, who minimize teaching, who minimize doctrine. Don't do that. The scripture gloriously exalts understanding and knowledge of God's mystery. We are to be mindful. It's not just heart. We're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There are some who think that uh, the mind gets in the way of the heart. It does not. The mind informs the heart. And God is pleased to work through the mind to the renewal of the whole man. The knowledge of God's mystery, which is what? Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, in him are hidden all of those treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's, so again, when we see it, it all unpack. 
it centers on Christ. But wait a second. In Christ are hidden all the wisdom. But without Christ, I can't understand it. Yes. He has. Uh, I love the way that it said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As you come to, towards the end of the chapter. Remembering how men through their own wisdom do not find God. Uh, the, it's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called it is the power of God. It reminds us of this in verse 30. I love these words. Uh, verse 29 says so that no human being can boast in his presence. We can't boast why. We didn't figure it out. He revealed it to us. And then it goes on to say this. And because of him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There's a reason why Colossians goes on to say that Christ will be our all in all, because he is wisdom. Righteousness, redemption. And actually we conclude by the last, the last of the, them is very simple. And that is that Christ is the heart of our message. Look what it says in Colossians 4, 3 and following. At the same, same time, pray for us also that God may open a door for us to declare the mystery of Christ. Christ again is the heart of our message. On which account I am uh, in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of your time. Let your speech be always gracious and seasoned with salt. That you may know how to answer each person. But the declaration of the message. That we may declare the mystery of Christ. So this is what I want to say. And this is what I don't want us to miss. And this is emphasizing. You know what we have? God grants us in our salvation. Redemption. Reconciliation, forgiveness of sin, peace with God, wisdom from above, hope, strength, righteousness. All these things he grants to us, right? But you know what can be missed in all of that? All of these things he grants to us in Christ. Christ becomes our wisdom. Christ becomes our sanctification. Christ becomes our righteousness. Christ is all of these things. Christ is our peace. It, it, it can and ought to be heartbreaking to us to hear how often those wonderful things that are ours in Christ, those are all spoken about. Those things are gloried in. Those things are, are offered to people. And people are wanting peace. Wanting happiness, wanting forgiveness, wanting eternal life. They're wanting all these things. But do they want Christ? If you were to offer it to them in some other form. Through some other option. Would you find out that their real longing are for those things? Or do they love him? Don't ever forget when Jesus was challenged as to what was the greatest commandment. What was the greatest commandment? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
That's being the greatest command. Not simply love the benefits that accrue to you from him. Not love the good works and the mercies and kindnesses. Of course, we love those too. But what we love? Him. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, that, that all of these things are come to us in Christ. So in conclusion, simple four thoughts that we considered today regarding this mystery in Colossians. One, it is a mystery that is hidden and now revealed. It reveals uh, how we learn it is that God reveals it to us. And we learn it through the revelation of scripture that's once for all delivered to the saints. Not through any mystical terms. And, and we've got to be careful when men try to read between the lines or through their wisdom extrapolate. Do not add to his word lest you be found a liar. Start out with that spirit of little children. And keep that spirit not to go as Paul says regarding myself and Apollos. Not to go beyond what is written. The mystery hidden and revealed. The mystery is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The mystery is Christ. The hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And the mystery is that Christ always remains the heart of our message. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you that we could spend time in your word and though sometimes it seems the time goes so quickly, it is my desire that you would be pleased to take uh, the opening things that we've considered and in the verses that we've passed by quite quickly. But I thank you always, Lord, that I know the confidence is in you by your spirit, taking your word and giving it life in the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that you would stir these things up to them in understanding, that you would reveal to them more and more as they contemplate it, that they would set their minds on the idea of what is the hope of glory. We thank you, God, that in Christ, through your word, you've shown us how we learn by your clear revelation and how we live. And it is we are able to learn and we are able to live because of Christ at work within us. Lord, we pray that you would be pleased with the things that we've considered today and press them upon us deeply. In Jesus' name, amen.